Welcome everyone, my name is Ben. My name is Zane. And welcome to the Carton Cast. We uh, review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults, and today, are for our, for our bootleg segment, uh, we are taking a look at an anime movie again. Yes. Uh, this is our 101st episode, breaking off a new one. Um, this is our wonderful 101th <laughs> episode. Yeah, and today, uh, we're, the movie that we're talking about, the anime movie that we're talking about, is 5 centimeters per second. Yes. Um, it's... It's interesting. It's not really like anything we've talked about before. Um, and right. in a way, it's it's one of those movies that really rejects our normal treatment of things because it's short, it's atmospheric, it's light on plot, and it's heavy on emotion. Yeah, and, and because of many of those things, it, it is not marketed to the same demographic as we generally look at. So, you know, we, we've looked at an anime movie before, yeah. But in many respects, it was kind of more of the same as our regular movie segments, which are more of the same as our regular cartoon segments. Because yeah. last last anime m- movie we looked at was Lupin the Third, which is very Looney Tunesian in, in a number <laughs> of ways. Well, a lot of anime that gets over, you know, to the American psyche is going to be uh, um, shonen, mm-hmm. and it's going to be stuff that like ran on Toonami, or is similar to stuff that ran on Toonami. Um, and we, we, you know, we've made an effort in the past to look at different kinds of anime, but this one is kind of so far off that we just had no access to it. Right. This, uh, this movie is... The genre in the, of this movie is romantic drama. and <laughs> Like a romantic that... comedy, but a little seriouser. <laughs> Pretty good word. Uh, yeah, and you know we've dealt with kind of rom com formula style stuff before, uh, the 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 small town kind of day in the life of that focuses on the rom- romantic entanglements of its main characters. That's that's a thing that we've dealt with before. Um, yeah, common enough. In, it's in, in like um, in Fruits Basket, in Spice and Wolf. They they kind of both had elements of that, but this is so much different, purely because it is set in our world with kind of none of the supernatural nonsense that is so <laughs> common in most cartoondom and really without much without much plot to speak of either these are just like a day like these are very mundane situations but uh, uh through the lens of the character we we provide them with great melodrama yeah and uh i think i think what i really like about it is because i can't i can relate to it so easily like i thought you might <laughs> well yeah i mean this is a very uh, the best thing that a romantic drama can do in my opinion is tell a relatable tale that we've all kind of gone through. You know, mm-hmm. we're not we're not kind of doing that when we add wolf goddesses or you know, a house full of harem like a harem house in the in the Ozark Mountains in there. You know, <laughs> like there there might be kernels of truth in there, but the overall presentation of it is so alien as mm-hmm. to be an entirely different thing. Egbert's this is a movie where if you <laughs> if you want to confess your love to somebody, set up a movie night, claim to have never seen this before, but you heard it's pretty good, and get ready for some premium hand-holding. Yeah, well, okay, there's going to be one part in the movie where it is the correct moment to hold your partner's hand, and I'll let you know when it happens. <laughs> I caution you not to do it before then. <laughs> and, and if you wait too long, you'll kind of you'll come out the other end. 
You're, you're going to friend zone yourself right into next week, <laughs> right into next act. You're going to friend zone yourself right into act three. Right, because this, okay. this movie uh, deals a lot with the idea of regret, and you want your partner to regret not saying how they feel about you, but, but if you wait too long, they'll realize that they will regret saying things to you rather than someone else. Yeah. Not to uh, get too far into it. I mean, yeah, yeah we, we are getting a little bit ahead of it, so uh, let, let's start with the production. Yeah, so five centimeters per second uh, came out in 2000. Which I believe you thought was about snail racing at first. <laughs> Vroom! Uh, came out in 2007. <laughs> it was written and directed by Makoto Shinkai, um, known for directing the highest grossing anime to date, Your Name. Uh, he's been called yeah, the Yeah, and new I, I hadn't realized that ahead of time. So that was really like, I, I could have sworn I saw something in the... I, I feel like I've seen this before. And no, I hadn't, but I had seen... Uh, I have seen trailers and the like that show a very similar art style. Oh, I have in no it. way heard of your name, and I'm I'm shocked that's the highest grossing anime. Really? It's, like, it's gotten talked up pretty quick. Something I've never heard of, and is that big? Hmm. I, that, 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 that speaks more to who I am than anything else, I, mean, I guess. It is fairly recent, um, and if you're not kind of in the anime movie circles, it wasn't like... Hot, like particularly highly exported it was just kind of like i don't know is it is it similar to this from what i could see it's like uh, clearly made by the same people oh absolutely like it's <laughs> it is it is obnoxiously similar okay like, right down to long moments of a boy looking at a cell phone it's, yeah. it, like so much of it feels like it was clipped right out of this it, it's like but, when you watch a pixar movie you know it's a pixar movie like, like, the signs are all there. Yeah, when are the anthropomorphic objects with googly eyes coming in? Yeah. Oh, there they all are. They're every item in there. They're every noun. But I, I, I'm almost more surprised that I haven't heard of it just because uh, this, this guy, uh, Shinkai, he's been hailed by some as the new Miyazaki. And Miyazaki, yes. at least, is very much in the cultural consciousness even here. Yes, uh, if you... Also, if we try, if we were trying to go for something that wasn't a smash hit, doing something by the new Miyazaki probably wasn't the best move. Perhaps not, but uh, it well, is we at blind. least relevant given how big of a deal your name was. Yeah. So I, I think that it is a fine thing to do, even though it might be a little bit more, a, a little bit more of a slam dunk than I had initially intended it. Like I said, I had been getting intimations over the years that this was going to be a that this was a very good work of art. Hmm. So, um, I mean, yeah. So um, it, it, when, when you when you think of uh, anime director, you think Miyazaki, and you also think Satoshi Kon, uh, the guy who made Paprika, and I think Tokyo Grandfathers, and a, I'm sure a bunch of other stuff. However. I had never heard this guy's name before, and I'm definitely going to be looking out for it from now on, because I think that this style is very impressive in a lot of ways, namely in the way that it's, it, it, the way that it showcases mundanity without becoming boring. Yeah, and it's, um... Which, which seemed like an easier <laughs> sentence than I had a I had a time getting it out of my. Well, my I think mouth. I think part of why it works is it does the uh, the manga thing where it will just sit and stew on a moment for several seconds. You know, it's not it's not an American sensibility where it's action then action then action. It's something happened and we're just gonna kind of 
think about it for a moment. It's I was actually surprised it received a novelization and a manga adaptation after the fact. This to me felt very much like, you know, hang out on a panel while a voiceover says some poetry. Like that's that's manga one oh one. Yeah, it feels like it might have happened in the opposite direction. Um, but, but it just, just speaks to the popularity of, of the movie. Yeah. F- finishing up, it was made by Comix Wave Inc. Uh, and it was released on Yahoo Japan as an online streaming video. Which huh. is strange to me that like a big movie gets sort of the equivalent of the direct-to-DVD treatment. But maybe they, maybe they treat Yahoo more seriously over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it won Best Animated Feature at the 2007 Asia Pacific Screen Awards. Yeah, and and uh, you know, spoiler, I'm I'm not completely aces with this movie. I think there's a lot of missteps, but it also earns its spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I went back and forth with myself on how I felt about any given point. Mm-hmm. I I think it's a really good movie. I enjoyed it. It's definitely a thinker. Yeah, you're definitely doing yourself a disservice if you try to talk over this movie. <laughs> yeah, you know? making jokes in the background with your friends. Well, you know, I mean, just kind of not giving your full attention is not the way to go about this. It's not a party movie. It's a it's no. a by yourself or you know couples movie. I think so. It, it, you you know you sometimes get caught in that space where you're like, I want to watch a good movie, but the people around me are like, just they're they're good friends. They're they're people who I value and whom I can have genuine emotions about. It doesn't just have to be laughs, but it still feels like a little bit weird. It's like. <laughs> You and your friends all watching a in, an intimate romantic setting. It's, it's it's like hard to not feel like a bit of a pervert. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> no, so yeah, you, watching, you definitely want to do this in an intimate. Then session we're watching thirteen year olds fall in love. There's nothing. It's wholesome yes, family it's fun. Love. It's love that they have. <laughs> They've got some love. We'll we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what you get out of this is entirely based on how how seriously you're able to take the feelings of teenagers and, like, their poetry. And the movie does a really good sell of it, but if you're immune to that sort of thing, then, uh, you know. I won't say I was immune so much as very, very resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I have shields up for that kind of thing, you know. Uh, as a person who at once was an irritating teenager who thought fe- who felt feelings too strongly and am extremely glad that I can see beyond that now, it's it's hard to go back to that mindset. You know, yeah. it makes you makes you feel like kind of a twerp. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think it's the only way you can get stuff out of this. At the same time as uh, ha- having these heavy themes that are articulated very well through kind of a mundane existence story, we also have, I, I think what the movie is best known for is its kind of beautiful set pieces and very kind of haunting, bittersweet music. Yeah, the music definitely sells it well, those... Yeah. uh those like little monologue moments, and uh, like like I said, a lot of uh, a lot of shots are just sort of against this beautiful background. Like every sunset in this movie is uh, like make that into a poster. The colors right. just pop. And the uh, the composer for it, uh, Tenmon, who is probably my favorite Digimon, he uh, <laughs> he's a he, frequent collaborator with Shinkai. He is, and uh, he's he's well known for the piano soundtrack kind of thing so i've got the final i just watched the final scene again with that uh with that one song and it's 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 a very it's a very good distillation of the notion of something of a scene being bittersweet it's it's really touching 
I might ask that we pause and I will watch that ending scene again when we get to it. <laughs> That's fine by me. Because uh, you kind of have kind of have to talk about this movie fresh. Yeah. Uh, be- before your jaded nature sets in. And it's gonna set in, guys. Like I haven't, I didn't change after watching this movie. Oh, I, I didn't mean you specifically, worries. but yeah. Thank no, God. I guess I did. <laughs> I guess yeah. I mean, who else are you talking to, man? <laughs> the royal you. But uh, you know, uh, I think we talked about in weirdly enough, Brave Little Toaster, that the composer. Uh, for that, uh, I can't remember who who he was right now, but he was well known for wrapping up, uh, for for never doing a piece of music that was purely happy or purely sad. He would always do happy with a hint of sadness underneath it as mm, kind of yeah. a, a counter melody or a, or a harmony. And I get the feeling with this as well. Like that last bittersweet <laughs> song is definitely like. Very, it's very sad, but it's also hopeful, you know. Yeah, I. So this movie is split up into three like segments, uh, and the movie's only sixty minutes. I I can't say that any of the three has a happy ending or a sad ending. Like I honestly don't know how to feel at the end of each section. The uh the the part of this movie that impressed me the most was that it wasn't preachy. It uh it didn't tell you that this way of this person feeling is correct or incorrect. It's just this is how this person is feeling, and yeah. that's here's you know, a there's value there's value in seeing that. Here's a believable relationship. Things can go this way. Eh, more more than things can go this way. Just like these are people's real feelings, and whether or not they are making good decisions, those feelings are no no less real. And 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 because the stakes of this are all emotional. Uh, I found that my watching it was very impressionistic, and I, I'll be honest, I didn't do a lot of research into, like, the actual every single line, because it almost felt as though the dialogue did not really matter. It was, well, it's it's poetry. It's the sound of the words and the feeling is more important than the exact things they say. There were some quotes that I took out um, that I Let thought me know when really, you come to them. Really touching. I, I like, I liked a few of them, but overall, I was like, "Guy, you need to listen to different bands." Was <laughs> kind of a lot of my impression. It's like, why are you talking like this? No one talks like this. Yeah, and also he doesn't hit puberty in twenty years, so that's weird. Yeah, but it's based on there his is voice. A, there is a floatiness to this movie. There is the uh, the music, you know, that kind of haunting piano music, as well as these pretty detailed and well animated scenes like the backgrounds are all pretty good i found yeah uh and and the color palette it everything is pretty dreamlike which i think was was part of the point like when you are a person who is having feelings for another person part of it doesn't really it doesn't feel real and there's also a notion of this all being a recollective and maybe you get some of the details wrong. And it's sort of like trying to remember what a dream means. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because parts of it, like the backgrounds for Tokyo where this is set, feel very real. Like this is, this feels set in Tokyo. Like the backgrounds reinforce that. But also the character animations, um, it's... It's fluid and realistic in a way that uh, uh, I think does better than a lot of anime where they're kind of just like they're standing still and talking to keep costs down. Yeah. Um, so like that combination of realistic movements and realistic urban backgrounds plays nicely with the fantasy kind of dreaminess of the of the sky and nature and all that. I tend to agree. 
Um, I think I, I, I don't think know we should, how much uh, more we get can out of the get generalities out of this without uh, <laughs> just talking about the characters and then kind of going through the plot. Um, although I, w- I would want to say that there are a couple kind of main themes in this that we maybe want to watch out for. Yes. So um, just just in order to set up this theme, looking five seconds into the movie, uh, where they're talking about cherry blossoms, which uh, are like the the first segment is called the chosen cherry blossoms. And these are used a lot in Japanese culture to symbolize life uh, and its short yet vital spirit. I uh, uh, and it, and it, and it's I usually hate seeing shown, cherry blossoms. It, it's usually I'm, seen I'm as like sick of this. <laughs> they're falling, like that temporary aspect of them falling to the ground reinforces that theme. Uh, you you you're tired of this. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sick of seeing cherry blossoms in in anime i assume I, that's I their do only vegetation <laughs> that is that is what i've been led to believe is that what the, they, that's the, what, what they else have. can what else can you what else are you to infer they, they use them for everything it's 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 kind of obnoxious i i and a lot of my problems with this movie were purely the first act and how stereotypical it felt for a piece of japanese animation yeah it's a, a little um, cliche at times Oh, excessively. Japan, Japan only has cherry blossoms, world trees, and like trees with demon spirits inside of them. Yeah, like give me a demon tree all day. That I won't get sick of. But cherry blossoms, and <coughs> the the uh, the notion of a cherry blossom kind of being this ephemeral beauty that is very quickly, you know, it's beautiful and then it hits the ground and it's over. Um, there's kind of a good uh, super eye patch wolf does a good kind of analysis of one of the characters in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure mm-hmm. um, and kind of how his whole theme is a bubble. His attacks are bubbles and and kind of his his personal you get the idea that he kind of like live like a sort of live fast and loose and you know the artist like the 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 impressions that you get from the character is that like he's glorious but he is uh, fleeting like it's it's going to pop and it then it'll be gone, and that does reflect, uh, and the cherry blossoms do reflect kind of this ephemeral, transitory nature of a budding relationship, because they know it can't work, but they can't help themselves from pursuing it, even though they know it's going to end soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they often say that the cherry blossoms falling looks like snow, um, you know, kind of playing into that idea that like. You can have an imitation of what you want, but you'll always know that it's an imitation. I hadn't thought about that. I thought that the weather was just kind of a separate theme that they were trying to tie into that. They talk a lot about the weather. <laughs> I'm, I got pretty sick of it. Uh, but there's something in there where, like, you know, the, these characters don't per- make particularly good romantic decisions, I would say. And, uh, you know, that's kind of cruel. You can't really judge someone's romantic decisions, but they're, they're not really thinking of the context of these possible relationships. They're not kind of taking into account where they are. Um, the, the phrase that comes to mind is, for everything there is a season. Hmm. And these characters want to be in the season of love, but it's just not there. <laughs> you know. I like that. That I mean, that's just kind of impressionistically what I get. The other major theme is this idea of physical and emotional distance. Yeah, time and, and distance. And transportation, specifically. Yeah, trains come up a lot. Because that's, there's the, a lot that's of trains. the dominant there's form a lot of, in, in Japan. 
really strange. There's like a lot of ve- vehicular imagery. Uh, little Vespas. Little, tiny Vespas. Uh, there's there's something to it where the idea is that there are people trying to get to each other, either emotionally or physically, trying to make these connections. But, you know, a lot of the time they're just kind of passing at a crossroads and, and can't quite sync up. So Yeah. And, they're, and it they're, also gets into, like, they don't know where they're going with their lives and if the other person will even be on the same road. Yeah, they're they're looking, well, maybe things will be different in the future. Oh, I wish things could be the way that they were in the past. There's, they're reaching across time and space, and they're, like, they're locked in by their circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the namesake, uh, the, the name of the movie, Five Centimeters Per Second, has both, you know, time and distance, and uh, that is referring to the rate at which the cherry blossoms fall. So that interplay of the two themes, you know, uh, uh, appears in a number of different ways in a way that, like, you know, get out your pens and your Red Bulls, kids. You got a 15-page paper due in the morning on symbolism. I don't know how far we can go into that other than, hey, they're bringing up the symbolism again. I think that's more or less where I want to leave it for now. Yeah. Um and talk so there's other movies there's movies wherein you know it's it's always kind of a sliding scale of interesting character and interesting theme they can both be there but they're not necessarily like there's generally one of those things is going to be emphasized better (laughs) this is as far you can this is all theme the characters are so boring. (laughs) I'm so sick of them. They're they're generic. They're everybody. Yeah, they're your link, you know? They're you're supposed to map yourself onto this dude. But he's so oh god, he's so primary well, see, anime boy protagonist. They see he's each other as and something shy special, and handsome you know, and tall of... and reserved, but also brave, but also <laughs> I just I just like why? <laughs> well, they see each other as special, right? We're we're viewing this love story as from the perspective of people in love. So where they just seem like bland. Oh, this kid's like any. And I'll admit, there are, there are different women in this uh, movie. They all look the same to me. I could not tell them apart without subtitles. <laughs> yeah, I, I the subtitles didn't even help because I couldn't remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, they clearly you know see these differences here, right? They, yeah, they got and the it's because blinders. I, it's because I want to see the differences. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's even a, a moment where. You know, they, they go in for a kiss, they have some romance, and they actually, like, lose extra detail. They become very just, like, silhouettes. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time when they're most emotional, they kind of drop all the, like, you can only kind of see the flesh of the face, which is pretty creepy. Yeah, they cover their eyes when they're crying, or you only see the teardrops hitting the ground. It's like, this is so, like you said, this is dreamlike. It's close to reality. Yeah, it it is almost the... It is not a person, but a type. You yes. know, this is, it's it's a very familiar story. People have all gone through something like this. In there love is a, with the idea of love. There's a, exactly, and getting over that first kind of romance, however it happened to sit in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, and for, for that reason, because it is so relatable and such a kind of everyman story, these characters were real boring. Uh, I don't know if, <laughs> how much you want to talk about them. Um, I think it'll come up as we describe because, you know, it's not like, it's not like in, how in some anime it's like, Yusuke Yurameshi, 14 yeah. years old, blood type B. 
Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. we see them, we only know about them from their relationships. Dude, if it started out with like Takaki Tashi or whatever his name is, Takaki it, Toru Tonu, <laughs> Tonu, what what if, like I, I can't even remember. <laughs> if, if we started off with that, and it's like his main his his main interest is you know he he, he may act the he may act the bully, but he he's really into cats, and his main attack is the spirit sword, and like, <laughs> you know, like I I would have a hard time approaching this on an emotional level. John McClane is a cop who's seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> Like the way they used to do uh, movie trailers, yeah, because they didn't trust the audience's intelligence. Yeah, they do to it like things it, through. They context. do it like an infomercial. Yeah, the Lion King. <laughs> Did you ever want to watch a lion grow up? But he's also <laughs> Hamlet. And See boy, the oh journey boy. of young Simba. Uh, I, I could do these forever. <laughs> I I'm gonna go ahead and take your word for it, Zane. Uh, I think we should start. Start with yeah. the plot. And, um, audience, as we go through this, we might, like, jump from plot point to plot point. There's not a ton that actually happens. There is a lot of just, like, pregnant pauses and cuts to the background and some beautiful stuff. You really have to see this movie if you're interested in it at all. If you just want to hear us, like, analyze something that you don't see directly in a Plato's Cave sort of way, this'll do. Yeah, well well put. I will say that, uh... You know how in Lupin the Third we were like, it's gonna be hard to talk about this because it moves so fast. This is hard to talk about because nothing fucking happens. <laughs> there's no, there's no handles to grab onto this with. It's all introspective. It's a, it's all. What is it like? Uh, it, it's like a recollective introspection. The movie. It, has everything had a is heart. told through. Everything is told through the eyes of people who have seen this happen and are kind of. They're kind of recollecting it with a twinge of regret. Everything's past tense and somber. It's, it's a movie told in hindsight. This movie has been going through a rough patch, and it's curled up on the ground, and I'm just trying to access its face, and I cannot find it. Yeah, well, it's perpetually having an emotional moment, which means no facial features to speak of, so... Can't, can't see it. Um, but yeah, let's let's begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we see a boy and a girl talking. Uh, they set up the theme of the movie with the cherry blossoms, and the girl says... You know, I hope I'll see you next year. They're they're setting up this relationship. This is a romantic relationship, uh, but we don't know like any details yet. It's told over the next few minutes. I I kind of didn't ever get to the point at which I was seeing details. I uh, mm-hmm. you know they 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 kind of flip back and forth between a guy reading a letter and you know the voiceover is this girl, and then you see the guy on the train. And then he's talking to the girl on the phone, and like, like this is the most dreamlike of the three arts, I think. Mm-hmm. In that, in that, it's not clear kind of what the cause and effect is. You you sort of just get the overall beats is, oh, these two people, these two thirteen year olds, these early teens are emotionally attracted and attached to each other, but they kind of don't know how to articulate it. And what's more than that, it's the only thing of import in their lives. Yeah, yeah, that's all they think about, which is, you know, realistic uh, for kids at the time. It's I frustrating, think... though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the movie does a, an interesting uh, thing here where it's all kind of from his perspective. In the in the next two segments, it really doesn't do that as much. Um, well, in the but, second but, one, it doesn't. I we, think in the third, we, it comes back. It comes back around in, in a way, but 
what's happening here is we hear her voice uh, like as he's reading a letter um, and we never hear his response. We get more letters from her. She's commenting on the weather. She's commenting on things he said, but we're seeing it from his perspective. It's all in. Yeah, which is strange because like I would constantly be thinking about how much of a doofus I was being if I was only communicating with this person I love through the magic of being a pen pal. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, why did I make that racist joke or something like that you know like the, I, I would the pen pals be, dilemma some, so, so i would <laughs> i would be second guessing my own behavior at that age that's pretty early for that to happen but no he's just so i mean i i guess you can view it as like she's the only thing that kind of matters to him uh-huh like and, and not not in a kind of like a super devotion type of way but it just in a this occupies his thoughts everything else is coming kind of naturally to him he's just going about being in school doing his chores etc this is the only this is this is the only thing that he has to kind of think about did you ever have a pen pal crush no i mean i've gotten the odd letter from a from a person who is attracted to me and i've given the odd letter in response but you know that kind of stuff tapped out around middle school yeah that's about right i mean af- after that i kind of got my i kind of started i got to this point with myself where i figured you know i'm going to be making an idiot out of myself romantically for the rest of my life um i may as well get a thick skin on doing it in person because that's gonna that's good that's what's gonna have to happen like in the moment i don't want to like you know if i meet someone i want to tell them then and there that's something that i'm interested and yeah, so, yeah. get some face-to-face experience so so i kind of i weaned myself off of that kind of shy cowardly behavior and uh, got a little bit more bold about it but they're 13 it's believable look as dismissive as i am of these individual people i don't it's believable well more than that i i don't i don't look down on them for having emotions at each other like i don't think it's particularly nuanced storytelling the fact like uh, oh my god i'm so in love you know like uh, like I i don't i don't particularly find it interesting to watch them dance around in the middle in the inside of a Beatles song or something like that <laughs> but I also don't I don't I don't hate him for it like this is a thing that people of this age feel and just because their feelings are ill-informed and not backed up by a lot of experience it doesn't mean those feelings are any less valid mm-hmm. so. yeah I, I I had a, a pen pal crush once oh yeah yeah it it must have been really awkward I can other people, my romantic partners growing up had such patience for me. I'm really, it's really incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way about mine. Um, <laughs> Would be romantic even. I, I um, almost think that says more about our, fa- that, that says more about our family than about the people that we're with. Oh, we're awkward and require other people's patience? Well, and that we constantly are beating ourselves up for our need, our requirement of patience, as though that's not just what you do in a relationship. Oh, like, yeah, but it's also probably us, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty biased here. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, so we find out um, that he'll be moving away soon, or in right. the past. So a, a thing that these, a thing that, he, and what are their names? Takaki... Ted, Tataki Tenji, and Tenji Muyo? Akani? Akira? Akari. <laughs> A- Arika. Right? Uh, yeah, okay. 
I, I like whatever. I didn't, like, I didn't I write it down. I, I know. Like I, I legitimately <laughs> just put them as boy and girl in my notes. And That's... then when we got to the second act, I'm like other girl. <laughs> yeah, like a secret of mana. That's how it felt. All right, you are Sprite. Yep, that's what you are. That is your job. Cast Gem Missile. Uh, yeah, I wonder if anyone's going to get that. The point is, <laughs> anyway, uh, the kind of thing that that boy and girl have really been able to connect on is that they both move around a lot because mm-hmm. they're of their parents' jobs, and so they kind of haven't been able to make friends easily in their elementary school, middle school kind of Yeah, and, and so they had this affinity for each other right out the gate. They did, kind of like two peas in a pod, kind of odd odd men out in yeah. their in their uh, but then, social groups, I guess. But then she moved away, um, and then uh, as we pick up in, in the real plot, he moves away as well, and it just increases the distance so much that uh, he feels like, okay, if I if I don't like come up and visit you now, I will never get the chance. I actually looked up the um, the distances. Yeah, yeah, it's something like they when when it starts, they live like two hours away by train, uh, and he's moving away to like nine hours away. Yeah, that's. I mean that that's that's pretty in, infeasible. Like even two hours, I feel like is you know get over it. <laughs> But, but even, again, but even if you don't I'm like, the future. even if you don't go out and Google Maps it, he's taking out a highlighter. He's writing out this elaborate train stop, and he's, you know, he's train really transfer. going, going all in to to see this girl. And, and it it does make you feel like he constantly is saying like each minute stretch to infinity, which is like get get out of your emo live journal, dude. But it's also like <laughs> you you can kind of feel it, you know. Yeah, all, all of, of this is to uh, some light emo piano, by the way. Yep, <laughs> like MySpace uh, uh, homepage kind of thing. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, so roll, you know, cut, customary roll the eyes, but like, past that, you do feel what he's feeling, in a sense. So, like, these are, it's it's hard not to feel like the space between them is ever, is ever increasing and, and, and kind of impassable. The, and, the world is increasing the distance, they're trying to decrease it, but they're young, how can they... They don't have the, any capacity to do so. Yeah, they're they're kind of swept up in in momentum here, yeah. in the momentum they, of their own lives. They can't, and you know, spoilers later, they won't. Yeah, might as well get that out of the way. I I kind of I accidentally spoiled it for myself pretty early on, and uh, was pretty happy about that ending. And we'll get to it when we get to it. But um, this was kind of a nice this this kind of helped set the stage. You know, they are super devoted to each other, and we eventually know. We know that eventually they won't be together, and even the characters kind of know it, but they are doing the classic young person thing, is like, I know these things, they're hurting my head, and I want to love this person, so let's just not think about those. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, this is, like I said, this is the part of the movie that is, like, the most hard to figure out individual plot points. Um he spends a lot of time going from trains. He spends a lot of time on the phone saying he's sorry. They spend an awful lot of time talking about the weather. Yeah, the movie really attuned me to focus on the weather and like okay, if if somebody is talking as we cut to a new weather shot, I'm like, okay, how is this symbolically connected? I I Cuz I know it is. <laughs> I got pretty fed up with it <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's it's March, and we get rain turning to snow, and the snow becomes a problem as he as he takes these trains 
uh, from one part of Tokyo to the other. Could you tell how often he would, like, this was just a one-time thing. He wanted to visit her this one time before moving for good, right? So so the way that it plays out, um, just sort of zooming out through through the rest of this act, is he has a letter that he hasn't given to her yet that has, like, all of his feelings, all the things he wants to say, this closure yeah. that, he, that he needs to get off his chest in order to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but midway through his travels, he, he loses it. I don't think that he's trying to get it off his chest. I think he's, I don't know. I, I don't think it's closure to him in that this sense. Is, this is how they've been talking for the better part of a year. Like, this is who they are to each other now. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, and, and it was hard to even tell how romantic it was and how much they just needed somebody else who was similar. Uh-huh. Which I, which I don't hate. The, um... You know, we f- uh, between the the train movements, we flash back to like when they met and uh, when he found it out, found out that she would be moving, um, and all of this sort of un- undercuts like, oh, they're you know they're building this relationship. This is more important than you know you might think. Like, you know, yeah, I get anxious if I miss a train or something. Uh, but and but it he, also, I'm sorry, go ahead. And and he, you know. We kind of get to stew in his anxiety about, uh, train's a few minutes late. Oh, train's a few minutes more late. We're getting uh-huh. these delays. Like, yeah, it's very has relatable. She, has she already left? What is she thinking? And because, is she still waiting for me? And because there's so little plot here, we don't have a wider narrative focus. So we can't put this in perspective. This is the importance. <laughs> yeah, if we knew more about these characters, we'd be able to logically think about it and be like, she'll be there, dude. But we don't know it. It's like, we, okay, we... yeah, this this weekend he's visiting her, and next weekend he's going to an archery competition, so that kind of, you know, yeah, it, only it, one weekend room. If he had more than one thing to care about, it would be easier to take ourselves out of it. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess it is pretty helpful in getting us to feel his anxieties. And just, like, in the way that this movie is very relatable, like, the fact that they are constantly talking about the weather is so, you know, puppy love. Like, they they can't articulate their feelings because they don't really understand them. So what they have to do is talk about the weather. (laughs) How, How did you feel about these train sequences? I think overall I liked them, and I felt like having as many as they as we had made them more rather than less oppressive uh-huh um i kind of like the entire first act being one long train sequence leading up to them meeting up it's it's really heartbreaking like in so many ways this it's not his day he's starting to cry he just keeps pressing forward like i feel so bad for him um yeah and I'm, I didn't feel that bad for him, but it was just, I think part of it was like, I was, I was, I didn't really like him that much. Yeah. So it was a little bit well, hard to. You know, I, you know, just a generic person this happening to, I'm, I'm pretty attuned yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been on a lot of trains before. I, I, I still get to like bus and train and plane places like long in advance. Yes. And no, I, you know, this is Japan. It's more anxiety than Things like. Things run on time. Yeah, also, and if they like, don't, if they don't, the announcer will be terribly sorry. Ter- uh, my sincerest my apologies. My deepest apologies to you. We will be just a couple more minutes. <laughs> yours and your family. Um, and this is Tokyo, the most densely, or, or the most populous city in the world. And like, one person on a train car? Two people, maybe? 
it's, it's very isolating. Uh-huh. Especially during all that snow, you can't even see the background. It's basically, he's he's there, in, and this comes back in more imagery in the second act, but he is there alone, mm-hmm. both people-wise and also place-wise. It feels yeah. like he's in limbo. Yeah, because trains represent space, kind of like in that distant sense. Uh-huh. And here they're a source of loneliness, even though, you know, when you think about what a train is, it's a way to bring people together. Well, yeah, that, and that's kind of one of those themes is that, like, in this movie being about people going from place to place and trying to shrink that distance, but maybe not being in total control of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, lest we belabor the point too much, there's a lot of trains. Uh, they eventually... Well, 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 there's one part before the train uh, arrives that I want to point out. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the point where his train is stopped and it's, you know, two hours late already, um, he says, uh, or, or we, we hear from her, um, you know, in the voiceover, he- hearing something, and Tataki says, you know, every time I read her letters, I pictured her alone. And yeah. we had just seen the scene where she's calling him saying, like, oh, you know, I have to move away. And she's calling from, like, a phone booth in a rainstorm in the middle of nowhere. Like, I think he's projecting. I he, think this is hitting him way harder. <laughs> absolutely. You know, we are we are meant to be entirely in his head. Yeah. There's no, there's no question about it. Like, I think she is also infatuated, but I think he's playing it up as more of, like, a dramatic kind of epic struggle than yeah. what it says, really is. And he says, like, at this point, I just hope she went home already instead of staying for him. But, I like, he says that because, like... It's, it's also a pretty, like, patriarchal kind of... That's what you're supposed to say. Kind of kind of martyr think. attitude that he has. Like, at a point later, he's like, I wanted more than anything to protect her. Protect her from what, man? Like, <laughs> what do world. you think? What does it mean? You know, he, he's definitely got high-minded ideals about this romance that the that their actual relationship does not bear out. Yeah. It's, it's, he's building it up. And, you I know, mean, seeing the beginning of that is this. nice. We've seen this. When you idolize somebody too much, it's it's also bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but she didn't leave. She stayed. Yep. And uh, it, it they have this cute little reunion. Yeah, and you know that they keep on, there's like those voiceovers about how, you know, we talked about we talked for a long time and then fell asleep or whatever and it and they never tell us what they're talking about it's probably the weather and about the food <laughs> that she brought like it's well, very no, they're small talking talk about they're stuff. talking about their favorite uh, uh er, the prehistoric eras for some reason <laughs> oh yeah that was right um and I forgot yeah, about, like so, the french fries and shit yeah the, the mcdonald's or whatever off-brand Mc, mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs> McDongle. It was, it's something something really funny um yeah, uh, they point out, they, you know, they, they're walking through the snow, they find a little shack, they stop by a tree, they have a first kiss. It's, what if it's, this uh... was cherry blossom tree, but it's snow? That's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> That's symbolic. It's double symbolic. Love I'll me. take it. Hey, I was looking for a dramatic moment. This'll do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, his, his monologue brings us through the next scenes. They cuddle up. They part ways in the morning. Like, he was going to take the train back and like, well, I'm, I'm going. I... <laughs> It almost feels like he's heard the romantic story of, like, spending the night with someone, but doesn't know what that means yet. <laughs> and so he's trying to enact it. Aw, that's adorable. Um, the, I do want to say something about this kiss. Uh, yeah. Because it's a, 
it's really interesting kind of how he comes to terms with that revelation. Like he gets to it. He gets to the kiss and is like, and as soon as I kissed her, I knew we could not be together. Like yeah. it, it hits him then. Like everything else was him looking forward to a point that he wanted. Once he gets to that point, he's like, the the, the illusion comes crashing down. He's like, oh, it's fucking over there's not like we cannot this this can't go any farther but he's and okay with it like his anxieties wash away because it's he no is longer not okay what could happen it. it's what's gonna happen he's denial he's in denial about it because he's immediately like i thought about that and i was sad but then i just remembered how warmer lips were you know like it, <laughs> there, there was some good poet there was some good like some of those you know classic zane likes poetry segments where it's uh he um he says something like, "How could I take her warmth and her soul with me? Where could it where could it possibly go?" You know, her kind of recognizing, "I can't be with this person," but then it just like he puts it in the back of his head. He doesn't want to think about it. He wants this romance, so he's just like, "I'm just going to think about how happy I am right now." Yeah. Um, and as they part the next day, she kind of gives him like the perfect like breakup. Um, yeah. Thing like, hey, I. I just know you're going to be all right from Last now on. Last night was really fun. You know, I'm glad glad it happened, but this has got to be a one-time thing. <laughs> um, I, I'll treasure it always. And he does not respond in kind. He's like, I'll call you. I'll obsess. <laughs> and it's important because she had the words that he needed uh, earlier when she called him about, uh, you know, moving. He He says that he didn't have the words that she needed and you know he says like I, ne- I never gave her the letter of all the things i wanted to say and we see that she had a letter to him as well yeah and and it's like okay even though he wanted to protect her you know again against what she, like, you know, i have to assume needed, demons he needed her more yeah well no ben there's no there's no demon trees in this movie no not in this movie just sacro blossoms uh <laughs> Yeah, and the the whole thing about them not sending the letters is also kind of cool, um, because it sort of okay. Uh, it's a physical secret. Well, here's the thing: they say it, he says like, I couldn't give her the letter because after that kiss, everything changed. Which to mm. me says like he didn't understand what a relationship meant, and now that he does, he kind of needs to reboot. Like he doesn't. He knows that what he wrote down on the letter before didn't really make any sense. It, it didn't really, it wasn't meaningful. So to give it to her then would be kind of pointless. Yeah, here's here's this person I used to be obsessing about the person you used to be. Wouldn't you rather be with me now that I'm obsessing about you? Yeah, and completely alien. By the way, I, I will mention that neither of them are particularly happy at any point. Like, when they see each other, sure, but trying to console each other over the phone or in through letters or anything like that, they all sound, they both sound so sad. Yeah. Like, they are incapable of being somebody's emotional anchor. Mm. They cannot help each other. They are too young for this. <laughs> and that's the, uh, that's the backdrop as we move into part two. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and, and although we kind of were feeling pretty good about uh takaki senpai uh up to this point because he's like oh he, he made a revelation and now he's gonna move forward nope nope he's uh gonna carry this emotional weight this this baggage around for quite a bit we think he's moved forward because this one's told from the perspective of um a new a girl best girl 
<laughs> who like looks at him and it's like he's so mature and so cool and he like he knows what he wants and he goes and gets it yeah that's like girl chan you you are incorrect <laughs> yeah you're like a yeah um, it reminded me of Tenchi Muyo in a lot of ways because they like her, they like they all liked him, but none of them could particularly articulate why. <laughs> like well, even she so... doesn't seem capable of it. He's like he just you seems kind of different. <laughs> just okay. You know what they didn't ever do in this movie? Admit to their hormones. Like there's a huge like physical aspect here that never gets explored because it's you know all um, it, it's all like um, Sundance film festival kind of shit you know yeah, it, it's all very high emotional content and that means that we don't pay attention to our genitals i don't know what it is but i i fell in love at 13 you know at like first nobody's sight. done this before right <laughs> just, just admit that you're hot you're hot to trot just <laughs> admit admit that like, you are full-on in a boner trance it is impressive that the director like captured this this thing that like I went through, and I'm sure a lot of people went through. But talking about it now, a couple days after I've watched it with you, it's like, oh, like, oh, so close, bro. <laughs> uh, did, am I, uh, am I, am I kind of ruining it for you? By the way, no. I feel like, like I kind of am. <laughs> it, it had an emotional, <laughs> it had an emotional resonance to me. Um, me too. In the same way, like, oh my god, like when you're in a, like when you're watching a play, and like something so cool happened. But then you leave the theater and it's like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go to Wendy's. Like, you th- you yeah. can't capture this feeling. It is fleeting. It is like the sakura blossoms falling. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm okay with that you know and I'm be, moving on. You know what would be a really funny, uh, you know what would be a really, really good, like, uh, modern art piece? It's like... <laughs> Is like a uh, a jar full of like sakura blossoms and like wax and fungus and stuff like that. It just crystallized. Like it looks really heinous and 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 like pretty unappealing, but it is like preserved. <laughs> That'd be kind of great. This is why I like ice sculptures, you know, because it's like one of the only kinds of art where they admit that it's not going to last forever. I actually remember one of the only moments when watching naruto that i was kind of impressed by is two villains each kind of going it was the, the ending sequence thing. right it was not the ending sequence <laughs> were you like oh thank god it's over no it was the intro song we are fighting dreamers uh, <laughs> no it was i i haven't seen naruto i'm just assuming i don't know man uh it's all about rock lee but there was a point where like two of the uh Two of the villains, they were kind of going after the same guy or the, the the same protagonist for whatever shitty Akatsuki reason they came up with. Uh, and they are debating the no, the nature of art. And one of them, who kind of specializes <laughs> in turning people into puppets and using them to fight, is like, art is something that lasts. It's something that has staying power. It persists. And another guy whose big thing is to create explosions with hands on his mouth, which is kind of pretty sweet. Um, is like, no, the point of art is that it is transitory. And, you know, I, I think that both of them have points. Mm-hmm. In any case, act two, the cosmonaut. <laughs> yeah, wow, what? This is about space now? And it starts with the both of them taking like a, taking like a, how does it start again? I, they, they, I, I don't know how it starts. I'm going to cut in the uh, 2001 Space Odyssey theme. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can follow your dreams. It, the way that it starts, they keep looking at the at the sky as like this planet rising in the distance, and they come back at it in the middle and at the end of this of this sequence. 
it's not clear how the space angle works into all of this other than like something cool is happening and you're not there for it distance (laughs) dreams yeah it's uh it's pretty heady-handed i didn't like the space metaphor but yeah you were saying uh this new girl is taking a career survey yeah they're they're both taking career surveys or something i don't remember what takaki does besides go to archery club by himself because he's he was there literally all day we see him there at dawn and then she comes to hang out with him at dusk and he's like cleaning up (laughs) what is he training for aku I don't know. It's pretty nuts. Because <laughs> he doesn't do any archery in the third act. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of kind of sets the tone for him being extremely depressed. Uh, <laughs> He's just like looking at the camera like, I have a character trait. <laughs> Here is my hobby. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the humans, she, they enjoy this? She she was taking a character. Like, uh, this new, car- new girl, career. Sumida, by the way. A new girl, best girl Chan, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as I call her. She's, she's Jay take- Chan? She's, she's a, taking a career aptitude survey, and because the thing is called Cosmonaut, I thought we were going to launch into her becoming an astronaut, which I was pretty into. Uh, but not that's not what happens. Not the case. No, she's no, she's uh, she's just uh, she's she's crushing real hard for 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 boy. Yeah, and he and he says, oh, you know, let's let's ride home together on our little little scooters. Uh, she's like so happy to just spend any amount of time with him like now we see somebody lusting after him and not calling it that it's it's interesting because you can imagine that his kind (laughs) of offhanded like not really paying attention to the way the other person feels this might be how arika felt in the first act but we didn't see it through her eyes we saw it through uh Mm -hmm. takaki's eyes and he just assumes that it's that like it he the way he imbibed that information was oh this is what love is (laughs) (laughs) yeah and, so and this it's, is a, it's a pretty total... serious obsession, too. Like, she studied hard to get into the same high school as him. Yeah, it's uh, which is, like, a detail that I kind of disliked. Yeah? You don't, like, you no, don't like the idea of, like, doing this for a boy? Well, no one has that kind of drive at that age. Well, lots of lots of people, you know, go to college to be with their then... College? Not junior fucking high. They mature faster in Japan, I assume. <laughs> You didn't take entrance co- exams to go to high school. What are you talking about? Yeah, they have more equinoxes, so. <laughs> have you heard about the time sphere? Oh, man. What was it? The hypercube? Uh, the game sphere? Okama game sphere? Is that no, what you're... No, no, no. That thing on the internet where it's just this guy swearing oh, time for 10 cube. pages. Yes. Time cube is eternal. Every day is four days if you do it right. We got to we gotta get that guy on Fox News and see how far, <laughs> how deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> Um, it doesn't. It turns out there aren't two sides of the two equal and balanced sides. It turns out it is four sides, and they're all the same side. <laughs> this guy's super balanced. <laughs> this guy seems like he's got all his ducks in a row. Uh, we we see uh, Sumida buying a yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. Not important. I just like that. What exactly was Takaki <laughs> buying? He's, he's buying, buying like coffee pudding or something. <laughs> coffee in a milk carton. You know, starting Japan off a new hundred of the carton a... cast, we get to drink it from cartons. What a whimsical place. Then that's what a carton is. I guess so. It, Japan is such a whimsical place in this. <laughs> uh, later, at some point, when like she wants to get even closer with him, she starts buying the same carton. <laughs> little, yeah, little details. I mean, like, like, I, I, the, the camera well, doesn't necessarily focus on the characters. It'll focus on like some third thing. Uh, so you pick up these little details about the world around them and how... They're being used to symbolize the relationships. I uh, 
I like thinking about this one as though Takaki is kind of a support character, which is, I think, what they're trying to go for in the second act. Because New Girl Chan is... She, she's kind of coming through... The, I think the big theme of this one was that she doesn't want to know what she wants to do with her life. Like, she has things that she enjoys and things that she's striving toward, but they are they're not all... fully formed. They're not crystallized. And she's very unsure of herself. And, and she herself says, her, like, the only things that I... hesitate. She herself says, the only things that I like are things I'm really bad at. <laughs> Surfing and it, being it, with uh, Takaki. <laughs> right. It, and it's it's all... It's all her being anxious about whether or not things that she desires will work out. Yeah. And by it's, the it's end of this arc, distance, she's come to the... physical distance this time. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of flip-flopping from the first one. Um, and I think it's really more of a personal story in the second one. Takaki just kind of happens to be there, and we get some more information on him. But it's really all about New Girl Chan kind of... She She's unsure of her place, and it causes her to be very hesitant in all of her actions. And at the end of this act, she has kind of come to terms with it and says, well, it might not be the correct decision, but I have to try to do things. Yeah, yeah. So Gotta like, move forward. The, like the notion of progress despite uncertainty. Yeah, so like she wants to tell him, you know, how she feels, but then she sees him texting. She's like, oh, he's probably texting that girl from far away. That he'll... No, he's just like writing little stories to himself on his phone. Yeah, he's he's sort of spiraling out here <laughs> like, <laughs> he should probably he's barely holding himself together yeah what's your face get your head in the game <laughs> um yeah by the way surfing intermission yep so um, she has uh i mean as far as i could tell up to this point takaki is an orphan and <laughs> I mean, like, well of course that's not true but we never see his parents no he, he's this weird cipher this point in his character development, I, it was really unsatisfying for me because he was this anxious kid and he expresses it like she's like, oh, you know, I don't know what the future's going to be like. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm barely getting through the day. And like, OK, but you don't seem that way because you look cool now. Is it? And I'm just thinking, is it unreliable narrator? Is he be is this like masculine bravado or is has he done genuine growth? And it doesn't I don't know. I, I don't think you're supposed to know. I think that it's intentionally vague. Um, his place in this is very drawn back from what we saw in the first act. And it's because he's sort of figuring himself out still. Drawn back like you know, a bow? <laughs> the, the thing is, he's definitely hurting. Remember, you have like to pull back to move forward. He he felt a... Genu- I'm just going to keep barreling through. You know, <laughs> he did get a measure of closure. Whether or not he accepted it remains to be seen... But he certainly does not have the passion and drive that he had in the first act. Yeah. So, you know, he hasn't recovered. You know, he's still hurting. He doesn't really know how to get past this. Like, there's no, you can't tell someone how to grieve. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, I think that it's really cool that we're seeing that he just kind of doesn't know what to do with himself. And I, I think that's why it's intentionally vague. Um. As they uh, as they go home, they are blocked by this slow moving train. For more vagueness, we we get this information that it's headed to a launch facility to, you know, doing some space shuttle thing, and we think like, oh, there's going to be a space plot. It's just more metaphor. Yeah. It's just like the ultimate distance. 
Yeah, it's it's more more metaphor happens. Um, she she makes the point that it that the train moves at five kilometers per per hour. Yeah, they're trying pretty hard to push this. I mean, like I calculated, I got it. it's twenty eight times faster than the blossoms. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Every time don't, they don't put be, out, don't every, be so proud. Five centimeters <laughs> per second. I get it. There's multiple numbers in your life. Every okay. time they put out a new number, I'm like, okay, how does this mathematically relate to the other numbers? Is yeah, it? We gotta is it get also a conversion a, table? Is it also a metaphor? I don't know. It's pretty stupid, and it's pretty lazy. And I, I think that I, I sort of got to knock that against. I, I gotta, I gotta be a little critical of that. You know, I, I get that they're trying to bring the theme back around, but they're really forcing it. I like to give it the benefit of the doubt, like, this is part of the theming that I don't feel like putting enough energy in to understand, but I I, I can see that it's happening. Well, in any case, uh, there is, uh, alongside the space metaphor, we also have the surfing metaphor. So, uh, Best Girl Chan has this sister whom is teaching her surfing. We don't really know much about the sister, because we don't need to, but we do know that Best Girl Chan wants to learn surfing. For whatever reason, like maybe to be closer to his sister, maybe just because it's a thing that always looked cool. We don't know. We don't know what her, what her, what her motivations are, and that's fine. Like it's a hobby she has, and it's a desire she has. I think that we've got kind of the space metaphor right alongside the surfing metaphor. Now bear with me, Zane. This oh God, <laughs> this movie, this movie is all about distance and transportation. Sure. When we talk about the space metaphor, we are talking about Takaki. He's kind of dreaming of something not close by. He's hurtling himself through a lonely existence because he wants to believe that he will eventually be with Arika again yeah, at some point. he's texting himself his dreams. Like, he's treading water. He's treading water, and he's definitely throwing himself in a direction in which those dreams are still possible, you know? He's not receiving any any feedback positive or negative he's just throwing himself into the blackness yeah he, there's a quote when he's talking about the space shuttle the idea of pushing forward in the darkness without reassurance of when the journey will end yeah that sounds like something a moron does <laughs> like i mean i mean like something brave but like after five years what what exactly are you doing well you're in space then I guess so. This is probably a conversion, like human to human society, person in a relationship to space metaphor that I don't see. But my point is, best girl Chan is, and I'm just going to keep calling her that. I can see, I can see your, I can see you pursing your lips at that. Um, wants to surf. What what exactly does surfing do in terms of getting her to to somewhere? Nothing. Well, she's just. She's she's having fun in the water, right? It's a mode of transportation that doesn't go anywhere, but it's still it's still important to her. Well, there's like, a moment the actual mo- the actual distance moved is not proportional to the fulfillment she gets. So, well, what what happens is, um, you know, she's she's back on the beach. We see a scene. It's been six months. Typhoons have uh, kept her from surfing, but now she's like, I can do this now. Even though we've always seen her, you know. Wipeouts. Yeah, there's some wipeouts. But the whole scene is just her describing the some weather. The guy on the drums is always there in the corner. <laughs> um, and and she like she gets it. She does it right. Um you know it's 
even though it's October, a little bit of spring got or summer got left behind. Like, and the music is making the poetry of children engaging. I don't know how it does that. I can't quote you things unless I write them down, but the music sells that emotion. But yeah, she no, feels I, like she does. can do it, and if she can do this, she can talk to What's-His-Face. <laughs> yes. What's-His-Face, indeed. Because, again, he doesn't have a face at this point. Um... They, they, and, and she's going to tell him at this, uh, you know, at this convenience store they stop at, uh, but she, she chokes, she can't do it, and then her bike stops working, as though it stalled because she tried to rush it in its acceleration. Oh, don't look so smug. Mm. <laughs> They're done. <laughs> all they, all they were doing there was setting up a, like, you know, <laughs> knight in shining armor kind of trope. I don't know, Ben. Time and distance. Acceleration's not too far off. I guess so. I think you're also papering, papering over the fact that she's doing some light stalking. <laughs> like like Luke's light stalker? Or... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Man. I, why, why haven't I seen that parody as like a <laughs> workplace reminder not to be sexist? Don't be a light stalker. Be a like, skywalker. Yeah. Be a Darth Vader. <laughs> I guess I guess Anakin Skywalker was a light stalker. <laughs> Don't be a light stalker. Be a hand solo. <laughs> yes, give me that t-shirt. <laughs> Are you asking me to make the t-shirt myself? <laughs> yeah. If, how, that, how quickly that is can not going to be. Yeah, <laughs> I will not be able to sell that legally. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's doing the right thing. He. He doesn't feel anything for her. He's just being a good guy. I, I have to imagine that he sees her as being pretty infatuated with him, and she, he likes the attention. And and she can't stand it. She can't stand it. She's like, stop being so nice to me. I know we can't be together. This is killing me. And then the rocket yeah. launches. Yeah, symbolizing ejaculation. <laughs> symbolizing <laughs> separation. There's yeah, this he, one he's shot. going in a... He's going into a different direction. He's seeing so far beyond the earth that she knows. And it's just kind of a recognition of them going in different directions. And yeah, that this, being all the closes that she needs. It, it shows that's all schism, she needs. Right? There's, there's a great shot where we see the smoke trail of the rocket bisecting the, the, uh, the horizon. It kind of looks like a amazing. postcard that's been ripped in two. And then it, the shot switches to them. And there's not a physical divider. We're supposed to draw that line. It's a uh, it's it's something that they articulate through light and shadow. Uh huh. Like half half of their faces you can see are kind of lit up, presumably by the rocket blast or the sunset or something. But the background also has that. It has that uh, division in the sky from the rocket itself. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know what it means. This is one of those <laughs> things where it's like, just put a metaphor in, it'll probably fit. Yeah, she looks up and the moon is split by a power line. That's probably something. Yeah, yeah. It's heralding the Death Star. And when we say, I, uh... like, insert symbolism here, it doesn't mean that it's not good. It means that we don't feel like doing our job. Yeah, <laughs> like... I'm not gonna, not gonna chew your steak for you. <laughs> we're just, we're here to tell you that there's steak there. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh... <laughs> this is the dumb metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> the moon stakes. Yeah. Um, I, I have a quote from her that really wraps up this scene nicely. Sure, and I, I have a tangent to the, this situation, this moment that I want to drag in something else 
from. Yeah, so go ahead. And this this shows how the poetry turns into like this like over dramatic feelings. Um, as we humans desperately and recklessly stretched our arms to the top of the sky and launched something of that size and mass into the air, gazing off into the distance towards something far beyond our wildest dreams. I felt like I somewhat came to understand why Tonokun was different from the other boys. <laughs> Tonokun. And at the same time, I clearly realized that Tonokun wasn't really looking at me. Like, the first half of that, I got really emotional at. I'm like, yes, the human spirit pushing forward. This is awesome. But then and the last half was like all, notice me, senpai, and... I, I like, again, I liked it when I was watching it. It feels really campy now. It is. I will say that uh, all of these scenes, I, I kind of liked a lot um, presentationally. Like, I, I don't like the people still. Even Beth Girl Chan is getting kind of annoying. But I... Uh, I was I really rooting for her. The, the, the presentation of this is pretty fantastic. We were constantly kind of seeing them walking side by side. She's kind of looking downward. He's sort of looking up and kind of has a thousand yard stare. There are shots where it's just looking at their legs after she's being kind of flustered, you know, drawing the attention away from their faces and just kind of to their to, to her nervousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the backgrounds in this era are beautiful because it very much feels like a Hawaiian vacation a lot of the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's always I, I, and one of the here. parts that I was kind of pissed off at him. It's like, why are you so sad? You are living in my fantasy. (laughs) Please roll down that hill. (laughs) Like, come on. That is a beautiful hill. It's so temperate out. You don't even need a jacket. (laughs) Why are you not doing more with this hill? (laughs) I think you're missing the point of this movie. I got hill obsessed. I also really like the clouds in this. (laughs) Like, they all had had their individual movement. You know, like, a background in in an anime is a static thing, generally. Yeah. A background in this movie is a moving, living, breathing thing. The color um, shifting does a lot. The wind effects on the grass, the color shifting, the movement of the clouds. It's all it's all cohesive, like the, the world moving by them. The fluttering of the cherry blossoms as they move towards yeah. the ground at five centimeters per second. Wait, five? Are you sure? Some <laughs> plus or minus <laughs> like if they put the if they put the error <laughs> bars on that. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't get out of my calipers. <laughs> sig figs <laughs> uh but yeah cosmonaut uh that was pretty much it right On yeah that part? they yeah like i liked this segment a lot i don't feel like it did a good job of connecting the first and third i don't think so either but i i liked it on its own the best i think this is my favorite segment out of the three and the third one's interesting because it really after the build-up in the first and second i'm like that's how that's how it's ending and and we know that it's going to be brief, which means that it's probably not going to have a dramatic climactic finale. Yeah. Because it's only, there's only like 10, 12 minutes left in the movie at this point. <laughs> you're like, how much could possibly happen? And in fact, very little does. But there's very little left to say. Uh-huh. So we're entering the last bit called the, the third act called five centimeters per second. Yeah, so we see a room, man, desk, computer, bag of food, a whiteboard. This is domestic. We have moved yeah. from like this far out, 
looking toward the sky to like, welcome to Japan, here is your box, go earn a salary. Yeah, if you ever get to a point where you're feeling like Takaki, um, go see somebody professional because <laughs> he is not like, doing this is great. bad. This is bad. This is like I wanted to. I wanted to do kind of like a health and wellness check for him when I saw this opening scene. He's like, oh, he is like, uh, like a zombie trapped inside his own body. He's <laughs> just like going through the motions, constantly talking to himself about how miserable he is. Yeah, he sees a little little cherry blossom land on his desk and you see the computer just keep scrolling through menus because he's lost he's not paying attention anymore yeah he's 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 absolutely somewhere else and and you know it kind of brings us back to like well he was still healing in act two he's still kind of going through the motions of not knowing what to do with himself and it seems to us like oh he just could never kind of get over it like this whole first love thing has been built up as something bigger than what it actually was yeah in his mind yeah he, he tricked himself out of happiness mm-hmm. but but he doesn't know kind of how to get back i think there's even a line somewhere in here it's like i uh i i never felt i recognize that everything beautiful that i once felt about this memory like is no longer there or something like he kind of only remembers it as a source of pain yeah. But he also can't give it up. It's really interesting. Yeah, we we see him walking uh, past. His the train depression tracks. is far more interesting than his lovey-dovey stuff. <laughs> we see him walking past the train tracks, and uh, you know, a woman walks by in the other direction, and he's like, "I know that if I turn to look back, she will too." And they both do, but then the train separates them again. Well, yeah, and and then we kind of go into like the plot of what's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and if you want to, if you want the sense of like how floaty this movie gets and how much we're just stringing together the most important bits, there's a scene where it's just him and somebody else failing to connect via a phone call, and then it starts snowing. That's yeah, some girl, some girl like calls on the phone and is like, I after all this, I still love you, and he just doesn't pick up the phone, and it's like. And we, he says something to the effect like we were together for three years. Who is this girl? Yeah, that's actually even a different scene. Like, this is very spread out. Okay, This fair is enough. just some other woman. He So he's had a girlfriend for a few years, and he just realizes, like, no, I, I need to go wallow for a bit and wish things were different. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Like, this is, like, the first moment in which I actually felt for him without wanting to also kind of smack him upside the head. Because <laughs> we also get to see uh, Akari. She's with her... Arika. Sure. Um, <laughs> you keep saying, wanting to say Akira for some reason. I do. Uh, you, you just want these characters to have big foreheads. It's not going to happen. We, we see her parting We're not dealing with, with her... This isn't your granddad's supo. We see her parting at the train station with her parents, and they're like, oh, wedding's Talking next month. Talking about how she's going to get married. Because she is, but not to what the guy not to anyone we know <laughs> yeah some someone who's not in this movie yeah like it's it's so great because like we're looking at him and he's like man i can't help but think about those moments of don't my you old know <laughs> in front of the cherry blossoms why can't i have these feelings that i used to have and then we like cut to arika and she's like oh yeah like i can't wait for the wedding next month or or yeah i I don't remember what she says like i think she still has some feelings but she's moved on in a way that he has not yeah it's it's interesting because like i lost my train of thought but it was interesting i swear 
swear. Is it possible it was a rocket ship or a surfboard account? <laughs> um, let me read my notes real quick. I had it. You got it. Oh, man. I'm Because I'm watching this kind of on mute at the same time, I'm... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I'm watching... I'm sort of just like on the background so I can look back on it every so often. Uh, so I can look back on it every so often and kind of just you know, remind myself of moments and kind of the shot composition and things. Uh, there's ads on the on the corner of this website, and one of them has a Yu-Gi-Oh card that says Blue Eyes Alternative White Dragon. <laughs> and I, I want to know what the alternative part means. That's great. Because, and I, this might blow your mind, it just looks like a regular Blue Eyes White Dragon. But there's only four Blue Eyes White Dragons, Ben. Oh, contrary, there's alternative ones now. <laughs> Is that like fake fake dragons? How how great would this movie be if instead of uh, Arika and Takaki, it was Yugi and Seto Kaiba? <laughs> just, just wistfully wishing. Ex- exactly could... the same dialogue, uh, but it's just them, their models, their voices. <laughs> <laughs> just longing for each other and not understanding why. Did you know that the rate that I put this card down is at five cents? <laughs> <laughs> no, they have to have the exact same dialogue. <laughs> Kaiba. <laughs> Seto Kaiba. <laughs> the cherry blossoms. Um, also, you know that you can just watch this movie on uh, YouTube, right? Uh, I believe that that does not have the subtitles on it. You can make it have the subtitles on it. What? Yeah, I know, right? Oh, in that case, that's what I was doing and not pirating it. Pirates, pirates, pirates. Oh, so I remembered. Um, yeah, what yeah. do you remember so much? So remember how in the first act we said, like, they can't be together. Like, the logistics of it are just kind of in the way. Um, y- you know, it doesn't make sense to take such long train trips. By this point in their lives, they absolutely could have reconnected and rekindled this old flame. And he's just not. Yeah, it's. He like I think that like it consciously he recognizes that it would be a bad idea. If he yeah. were to meet her, it would not hold up to the past and he would be forced to abandon this grief, which, you know, it causes him grief, but it he's attached to it. It's yeah. been instrumental in his feelings of however long like he's kind of committed to this fantasy, even though he doesn't really want to be. Yeah, like it's too precious to accidentally destroy by her not living up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like again just what you're saying like the idea of being in love and and she thinks back like she's like oh you know i found this letter i was gonna give to him you know i wonder how things would have been if that had happened but oh you know I'm, I'm moving on him though he's like you know it's strange how you go through the process of living sadness piles up here and there yeah he's he's in a real rough spot yeah and it was like again he's like he's got a job, and you know what happened to him. Nice every day. Because in the day. first act, despite like all this snow and these delays and just this physical hardships, like he's still pushing forward, and now he's kind of given up. He's in traction. He's been in traction ever since that day in small ways. Like it's, it's actually kind of a sort of a brilliant dissection of what depression is. It's not a single thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a cascading effect you you get stuck in a mindset and that just makes every single thing harder until you get to a point where you kind of don't know how to go get out of it yeah so i sort of like that depiction of depression 
Um, and I've seen like I, I read a couple like articles online being like I would almost say he's depressed and I'm, like reading him like he's absolutely depressed maybe borderline <laughs> suicidal what are you we, talking we about never this could see, not be more clear we never see him have a single friend no it, even the relationships that he has been able to have are all failed apparently yeah like he has not been able to be close with anyone he he and it's because he's just carrying around this regret like like uh, like an albatross. And it's weird because, like, again, earlier on when we're on trains, it's like him. It's just him. And it's supposed to be lonely. But now he's in, like, a crowded train, a crowded office. He's lonelier than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it is him, right, at this point. Uh, but he yeah. quits. he quits his job. He reads about the space shuttle launch. He's like, ah, dreams that could have been. Um, there's a moment that I don't understand that I was hoping you could help me with. Okay. Uh, it is, uh, there, there's some sort of like office environment and this girl whom I, di- I didn't recognize is talking to her boss and the boss is like, can I see you in my office for a minute? And she's like, yeah, sure. And she gets up and the camera pans to her chair and that's all we see of her. It, can you explain this to me? This is his... New girlfriend who this is he's the new girlfriend. implicitly broken up with. Again, I just thought it was the first girl until he used a different name, and I had to look up. I had no, to look it up. I'm like, she has is this glasses. A Zane, <laughs> is this a person we've known? Glasses and pigtails. <laughs> Maybe not pigtails, but she's 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 got braided hair. Can't change that. No. Um, but yeah, we we kind of end we kind of go into this home stretch. Uh, their monologues interspersed, talking about how they wish they could walk through the snow again and see the cherry blossoms and how things could have been but aren't. And yeah. it's a bit of a it's a bit of a downer note from what I was anticipating. I felt like the movie was building up to like, you know, Disney happy ending, but it it's it's more real than that. I think that's the point of this. It's not so much a bait and switch as like a failure to crystallize into something we'll, we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um so we we, we kind of have this idea because we exist in a world in which pop culture exists that Disney romances and rom-coms that if you want a relationship bad enough and if it's the focus of a work of media then it will in some way or another crystallize Um, more than that we have the idea that the first girl generally wins in such things you know like the first relationship is the one that counts. Kind of a Betty and Veronica deal. Okay. Um, and to see it not happening was the only reason that I net positive this movie. Because <laughs> it's beautiful, and I think that it tackles some real feelings that I think are important and very relatable. But if the end message was hope against hope that you can end up with the person that you had puppy love for this would be so i would have i would have spat in disgust (laughs) i could i could not deal with that message and i'm so thankful that it didn't end up that way (laughs) you may not do that sir i I would not be able to handle it you didn't set up these themes to end up like that (laughs) yeah and uh you and and it's it's not merely sad it's also very ambiguous it's it's ambiguous i don't know if he gets over it well so here's here's okay so we get a music video to end this to cap this off yeah did Um, you want to go ahead and watch that now (laughs) 
you know, I, I can. I, I have a little bit of, like, the gist of it here. It's about mm-hmm. trying to have what they couldn't, trying to recreate it. Uh, we see them as kids, you know, running out to get their letters that they sent. We see, like, these flashbacks. Uh, and a couple of lines that I thought really were emblematic of it. Uh, Always searching for you, even though I know you can't be there. Uh, if I could live life over again, I would be at your side every time. Yeah. This very, like, raw, like, if only. You know, the the two saddest words in the English language are if only. Mm. Kind of sentiment. And it, I found it really touching. Um, you know, and, uh, <laughs> like, the day after I watched this, we had this big snowstorm. Uh, and, like... You know, I'm I'm a little tired in the morning. I haven't had my coffee, and I look out the window, and there's just all this snow hitting the ground. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm like going back through my life. Okay, what are what are some prime regrets? Let's let's <laughs> let's pick a moment. Let's pick. A, I am a, too happy. Let's pick a I fork think... in the road in the past and branch out and see how this would have gone. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, uh, I kind of papered over it because we didn't we didn't quite get back there, but uh, the end of Act Two. Um, best girl Chan kind of recognizing that they're going in different directions mm-hmm. and the end of act one with Takaki being like this can't be real even though I want it to be real this is a weird point of reference but I think it's a pretty good one the, do you remember at all the ending of Castaway? uh yeah he uh he leaves the package on the door right? That, there's that, but uh, because FedEx moments. always gets to the door. <laughs> there's, that is a point of pride. There is <laughs> two moments that I want to point out. One of them is that he's kind of recollecting his experiences, presumably for someone who's writing a a, a novel or a, a biography or something like that. And he's talking about how the woman that he loves is with another man, and that their life, her life, has moved on without him, mm-hmm. and. Even though he's fought so hard to get back and has something that he wanted for so long, like the the line is, "I have ice in my glass and I've lost her all over again." Ooh, and it's just like ice is a thing that he's wanted for so long, just like this simple thing that he couldn't grasp, and now he's gotten to the point where he's finally gotten back to his real life, but is not it's not his life anymore. Right, it's something else. Oh, that's great. And uh, there's another moment right at the end, which is a little heavy-handed, metaphorically speaking, where he asks someone who's on the road next to him, is like, what's, what's in that direction? And she tells him, you know, that way, blah, 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 blah. And that way, it's as far as you go until you, it, it's as far as the eye can see, nothing until you get to Colorado or something like that. And movie just ends with uh, like a pan out like sky, like a crane shot. You know, him just standing in a crossroads, having gone through so much and finally done what we think of should be a triumph but in fact it is just a moment that okay what now yeah it's it's ambiguous in the way that life is ambiguous you know there's no treasure chest that falls from the sky after you've hit a benchmark it's always (laughs) going to be a process could you imagine could you imagine it's 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 the cherry blossoms again right this ephemeral nature of life it's so funny the, it falls like the and then cherry, it's gone. The cherry blossoms is probably a good metaphor given how pervasive it is, but I cannot hear it without being enraged. <laughs> like so the noise, sick. the noise level is too high. You can't see the signal. <laughs> Russell, Russell, Russell. I I just can't handle cherry blossoms as anything in my media anymore. 
it's so you mentioned this as an ambiguous ending um we we end with a shot of the train goes by she's gone even though he was like oh she's gonna look back yeah he's um, like i and, knew that if i looked back in that moment that she would too and he does look back and she's not there and it's like yeah you miss your chance and that's it um but he he smiles what did you think it's that a smile very, meant it's a real small smile um it's hard to say because i thought he would be fine after the end of the first act and he clearly wasn't so he might be okay yeah, I got he the might sense have, like he was remembering when she, the last time she disappeared from him, when she said, you're going to be all right. Yeah, and he clearly wasn't. Okay, uh, well, she was wrong then, but... <laughs> yeah, but maybe this time, memory force ghost of her is right. Also, <laughs> it's not clear that she's there. Right. <laughs> like, uh, I think that might be him hallucinating again. <laughs> I think that's the implication, given how fast the... Uh, how fast the train goes by. And how fast does the train go by, Ben? Do we know that? Do we have that written down somewhere? It's one of the great mysteries of life. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's the Yeah, movie. and, and he, he, he smiles, he turns, and he continues walking down the way he was already going. Yeah. I'm not sure. He, so, in this, I think the metaphor is that he's not turning back and trying to look for her, but is finally accepting that, no, she's moved on, I can too, and continues walking the other way. But at the same time, um, he's going in the direction he was already going. Yeah, you can, again, whichever more metaphor work, you, you and can also just stick the, them like balls And also the, the cherry blossoms are going are falling, and also there was a train. <laughs> like, what, what does that mean? Like, at this point, what muddled. do trains even mean? <laughs> trains are there. <laughs> it's no so longer it's, a theme, it's just existence. Yeah, and, and you know, it might, it might sound to you guys like I'm kind of down on this ending. I, I'm not. No, I think I this got, ending is great. I got way the ambiance of it, and like the and the the notion of him be like it being ambiguous future for him, like he might pull himself out of this. Maybe he's not over it yet. And you know, you might think like, you know, it's a crush at thirteen. How can you not be over it? But like I said before, you can't tell someone how to grieve. Yeah. And whether or not it's juvenile of him to hold this so heavy in his heart, you can't argue with that. There, there. You know, he if he's not over it, he's not over it, and that's that's how it has to be. So at the end of the day, you just have to hope that he can get past it. What do you, what do you think of this sort of flawed love story? I I think that I think that my what I'm most impressed about in this movie, and I've said it kind of before, is that in general works of media, they show you a story about how two people meet, fall in love, credits. You know, there's maybe. A comedic misunderstanding halfway with some banker who also wants her or something. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Is, we find out he's a good guy, and it, the love works out because he decides to love her even more. So, like, whatever. Like, something, <laughs> right? There, there's a reason It's all the same cadence as Dragon Ball Z. Like, oh, I'm going to become stronger. Oh, I'm going to love you better. <laughs> yeah, let's get curling in on this. And, you, you know, love happens, babies ever after. That That's the... That is the progression of these stories. So to see a story in which it's just picking apart a relationship that didn't quite crystallize, the little regrets that don't stop you cold but do slow you down, you know, just focusing on the smaller romantic lives of ordinary people is something that I haven't seen as elegantly before and as completely before. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the movie so does a good job of— It's really unique in that. 
of highlighting, you know, these not heroic characters, but realistic ways that we feel things, how our feelings might be misguided, and how we can learn the long the wrong lessons, but then like write it eventually. Like we don't have to we don't have to be married to our mistakes. It is, in a lot of ways, this movie is about free will and the ability to move on and not to live in the past. Um, and we see it through multiple different people's eyes. Arika moves on kind of at what we'd consider the appropriate time. Like, there was this romance. It didn't kind of go anywhere, and she got over it. Uh, best Girl Chan, it recognizes that the relationship's not going to work out. They're in different places. He can't be what she needs. She can't be what he needs. And, uh, you know, she has a really real hard cool- time of that. She does end that act like crying for months crying crying yourself to sleep it's really hard but we also given that we don't see her again the intimation is she stuck to her guns like she recognized this can't work between us and then she goes and admits it to herself yeah the boy takaki does not admit it to himself and carries it around with him like a lead balloon yeah and you know I think that metaphor is probably not the correct one. <laughs> but that balloon still ain't going to fly. No, it's going it's to fall gently will to the ground. Because he never filled out the uh, career survey to be a cosmonaut. <laughs> I, think, I think you're getting a little weighed down. No, you know the... what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's just a small moment in the romantic life of somebody who didn't get everything they wanted and thought that they would. Mm-hmm. And just has to live with it and figure out what to do from there. And we don't know any more than that, because the important part is that decision. The important part is not what decision they make. Yeah. It's it's that they are people. They have to be their own people before they can be people with other people. That's something that a uh, philosophy professor who was a real creep once said to me, and it was like one of the only things that I kind of learned from him, is like, <laughs> you can't be happy with another person if you're not happy with yourself. And for yeah, some reason, that, that really resonated with me. It's that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like, is that the one where it's like, uh, you know, in 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 Chinese society, where like you have you have you're beholden to your liege lord, and then you're beholden to your family, no, and then to your country. That that's is Japanese. In no way related. No, actually. <laughs> what is uh, it like the lead balloon? Then. <laughs> no, it's more. Give me a closer. <laughs> it's how. You need it's certain... probably about sakura blossom. <laughs> Everything is at this point. It's how you need Four certain. Th- ne- you need you have certain needs fulfilled before you can go on to the next one. So like, food, water, shelter. You need these before you can start worrying about things like love and security. And you need those before you start worrying about things like entertainment, self actualization, and like understanding your truest self or whatever. And I think mm-hmm. I think the unspoken like I floating above the pyramid in an Illuminati sense is like doing that. Are you just with saying other that because you said I and pyramid at the same time? <laughs> yeah, uh, just floating above it. Like you need to do this for yourself before you can really do it with other people. Yeah, I've been yeah. looking at that pyramid a lot for uh, practice for science. I, for I made science. my own grad student version of it. Of the Illuminati pyramid? Or no, the food pyramid? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh, Do you only okay. know the two pyramids, Ben? 
I, I don't know. I just got kind of lost. <laughs> That's fair. I was I've, thinking I've about trains and all... soccer blossoms. What do you I've want been... from me? So this is the problem when a movie like is as impressionistic and atmospheric is that it hit it like kickstarts a bunch of things in my head that aren't related but feel related to me. <laughs> I feel like they should be related because you're used to movies meaning a thing. Yes. And not being a collection of multiple meanings. Which is really just the nature of art, right? It's not a sentence telling you what to feel. It's giving you a lot of impressions and examples and telling you to draw your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that Again, like I think that this movie is great in that it doesn't hold your hand and walk you through it. It's just give it, it gives you a lot of moments and tells you to think about it. Just here's a story. Here are some feelings that might relate to you. You know, this is this is how they're related to trains and cherry blossoms. If you want to believe the story ended after the first act, you are welcome to. It's not really a story, though, after the first act. Like, okay, pros and cons. I've already settled the pros, so let me get my big gripe about this movie. Is that <laughs> they aren't real people. They, they're wearing the masks and faces of real people until suddenly their faces, facial features disappear. But They lack depth. They lack depth, and that means that all of their pining is it feels in like ungenuine in a strange way like it doesn't feel earnest it doesn't feel like 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 they're not committing to the role almost see i i thought it like when you take away everything else that makes up a person this is a nice little nearly universal interaction people have I mean, like, I mean, I, I guess what we're we're talking about is kind of the nature of relatability versus depth of character. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it sacrifices one in order to put the other one to to, to turn the dial to eleven, which is fine. I think it but has to. I want to believe that there is a version of this that doesn't make me chastise young people for not paying attention to anything except for their puppy love so much. Yeah, but that that movie would be another half hour because you have to see them in other contexts doing other things and being real people. What's wrong with that, though? I, I, I don't think this movie really gives you... If anything, what if both of them to get had... get hung up on. What if we had a couple of school moments to kind of ground them a little bit, maybe a family life event or two? We see, to... them, we see them gossiping with friends. No, we see we, best we see, girl gossiping. We see the... We see... Good, I don't even remember her name anymore. Good girl, Best Chan. girl Chan. <laughs> Best girl Chan. <laughs> we see her and her like her mom and her sister. Like, That's all. She's the only one though. We don't see it with Arika because she's and, avoiding uh, this kind of puppy love. Like it's it's an important part of the story that these guys don't have more characterization. I almost wonder if it would be a stronger point though if we did have that characterization and it was ignored by these characters, <laughs> like in favor of the puppy love. Like there was so, other important stuff and he just doesn't focus on it because it's not i mean i guess that was already neglecting your studies again not focusing on the rest i'm neglecting my studies so that i can be with her yeah you want you want that uh emotional manga uh, karakano or something i remember reading a bunch of those from your room one time that was my first manga i think that uh i think that i also uh kind of feel the same way about those those characters but but i mean even I guess so, but they also kind of had some emotional depth to them in that the main character was, like, obsessed with being complimented and the main antagonist was kind of conniving and manipulative, but they still kind of had these feelings for each other. I don't know. It just, 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure how else it could have been done, I guess. Um, but I did feel as though it was a little ham-handed at times. You know, it was a little bit too epitome of the message that it was trying to be and not enough circumstances that allow that message to have weight. A, a little too well distilled. Like, this is too high a proof. You, you, yeah. you want the flavors to be there as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, give me... Yeah, like... You you wanted wine and you got vodka, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I, I, well, I wanted vodka and I got wood alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, about, is really how it is. You got some moonshine. Yeah, we got antifreeze in here. Because it'll warm your heart, Ben. Yep, tr- true enough. <laughs> I'm going to need that come winter when the I, trains all freeze over. I liked that it was short and didn't have a lot of detail and could just be kind of this pure expression of emotion. And then they also put on some like nice words on top of it. I, I'm not generally a huge fan of poetry, but this this sort of like moved me in the right ways. I'd gi- I'd give it a fifty fifty on that. Like at times they kind of hit on it, and then they sort of did you know more like Green Day sort of kind of. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, you got it. <laughs> I I don't know who Green Day is. I keep forgetting which one they are. They're uh they're they're the ones that uh that uh fall asleep every September. I think, right? <laughs> Fall asleep out boy? <laughs> Fall asleep out boy? I always get them confused. Them and Coldplay. I don't know the difference between those three bands. Coldplay is the scientist, man. I, again, I don't know enough of their songs. I just associate that, no, those that's, three. That's the only one you need to listen to. Is that the one that Nobody plays backwards? Nobody said it was easy. It's such a shame for us to part. We're, we're just talking songs now. <laughs> yeah, should... It is the one that plays backwards on the on the music video, though. Yeah, I think we watched that in high school science class for some reason. I don't know. Maybe our high school teacher didn't really like teaching. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think we had about three of him. <laughs> and it was all him. <laughs> it was never Best Girl Chan, although it should have been. I would love to have learned surfing in that class. Um, <laughs> yeah, the reason I keep on talking about her surfing is because it's the only interesting character trait any of them had. Yeah, it's it's depth. Yeah, it's and it's not even particularly interesting depth. It's no. just two dimensions instead of one. <laughs> this is the same problem you had with Fruits Basket, isn't it? They're related. With, uh, with Prince Yuki. They're related. No, it's exactly... The, the, he is Prince Yuki waiting to happen. Like... <laughs> Even right. I would even say that Prince Yuki is more interesting. He's more hateable, but he's also a little bit more interesting. Uh-huh. And, you know, like, the reserved is sort of a facade. So I guess, like, to sum up, you wish that they had more depth, and I think I think the message of this story works better when they don't. Or at least, it, I didn't need it. I mean, I'm not convinced that it could have been better with depth. I'm just, I feel as though I can't help but be judgmental for the presentation being very pedestrian in terms of anime movie, in terms of kind of... Like, I feel a little pandered to, I suppose. Uh-huh. Sakura blossoms and love poetry and shit, and, you know, him being a soft-spoken nice boy, and her being demure and cooking him lunch, and, like, a lot of, like, a lot of tropes that I didn't really... Don't, never really cared for and disliked seeing when they were trying to tug at my heartstrings, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. Like if there was a if there was a, a romantic movie version of the Oscars and this that version of Oscar bait, like it's just checking off boxes. Yeah, I, I it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's how I'm feeling about it. At the same time, though, I do agree in that it covers the emotional spectrum that I kind of, I think that it did it very well. And because it was so short, it really emphasized the finesse of the presentation. You know, um, it's a beautiful movie. It looks, you know, even now it's like 2007, but it still looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it Clearly a lot of attention was paid to the way people and things move. And the piano, the somber piano music was so nice. It made me think of that somber piano music from Hey Arnold. Yeah, and and the third act, like, kind of leaving me unfulfilled, worked for me. I like, need, I need again. I needed that. This this gave me the context of like what regret is. Mm-hmm. And so so at the beginning of this, regret said, and uncertainty. We said, if you want to, you know, uh, proclaim your feelings to somebody start this movie with them watch like the first couple acts where it's like if you don't if you don't say you know what you want to say you might regret it and then just don't watch the third act where it says regrets are okay <laughs> like it's fine oh yeah and uh if you were wondering at which point should he have held his held her hand never because then he can't be depressed by the third act well i mean he was going to be depressed no matter what like uh, the the point is that he has to go through this um, if it wasn't if it wasn't her, it'd be someone else. Oh, are you saying this is like a personal growth story, pretending to be a love story? I hadn't thought I hadn't been thinking about it like that, but I like to think of people as what they get out of their traumatic experiences because then it gives the traumatic experiences purpose, Meaning, as opposed to yeah. just being uncaring chaos, <laughs> which is what it is. But I don't feel good about it. So you know, it it's easier to it's easier to think about your personal hardships as being purposeful and, and and as being necessary to make you better yeah and frankly like he would have gotten obsessed with someone if not her someone else yeah. we're that's all, just, that's we're just, all just his character we're all just slowly fluttering to the ground <laughs> just like trains <laughs> yeah yeah uh zane did you like this movie i did I you did. watched it with uh, you watched it with uh, Chrissy, with, right? Uh, no, actually, I watched it alone. <laughs> that must have been, I, that, that's that's kind of cool. I was considering watching it with her. Um, uh, she probably would have liked it a lot. That's what I that's what I said. Yeah, that's fine. I watched the first act with uh, with Ethan. What did he think? Uh, we we both kind of disliked the first act. <laughs> I, he was a lot. <laughs> his point was like, why don't these why don't these kids have anything bigger to worry about? I'm like, well, they're 13. Like, you know, their mom's their mom still does their laundry. Like, what do you want from them? <laughs> but I mean, also, you know, it, it's hard not to be frustrated with uh with with teenagers for not seeing the bigger picture. So I get that. Yeah. But I, I think that the second and third act really really redeemed it for me, and especially the ending was really nice. Uh, I I give this one a pass. Like like I said, it it has an emotional resonance to it that mm-hmm. I can only feel while I'm watching it. One more time, who's a care? 
and, and it's beautiful. It's good to look at, and that's uh, that's worthwhile in uh, in and of itself. So yeah, uh, that was your name, and uh, the uh, subtitle: balloons, trains, and automobiles, and uh, or planes, trains, and automobiles. Then what's your name next time? Next time, my name is uh, Phineas and Ferb. We're gonna be watching Phineas and Ferb. Ooh, it's a show that intro, I... can you can you say like. Uh, my name is Phineas. I'll say my name is Ferb, and then you do the rest of the podcast on your own. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, I, I hope that you don't leave me to dissect what I hate about it for two hours. <laughs> I, I, I haven't watched any of it again yet, but I have gone on record of not liking this show. So I'm interested in what I'll find. Yeah. And Zane, what are we doing after that? After that, um, we are uh, we're hoping to. Um, have Nick from What's With You Scooby-Doo on the podcast again. <gasps> really? I didn't uh, know this. And, and he and he's expressed interest in watching uh, Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. That's right. <laughs> That's we might, we right. might have... Uh, he, he wasn't quite sure of his schedule, so we might have to, you know, finagle this, this one. Uh, but sometime in the near future, we're going to talk about uh, this show from... Looks like it's from Monkey Shine Productions. Uh, <laughs> and Sounds it's about... Right. Uh, Captain by Charlie Punch. Simeon, uh, rescuing, you, you know, just kind of doing space missions as a chimp. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> he he raves about it. I'm I'm skeptical of any show that uses the title of an animal in the show because, <laughs> like, it makes me think that the joke is that it's an animal. Uh, but we'll see. You know, yeah. Bucky O'Hare was fine, although Bucky O'Hare was really more of his persona. Earliest title. Yeah, this anyway, is going to be Bucky O'Hare Monkey Edition. I, I can only hope. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed hearing us talk about not our feelings, but feelings that people similar could conceivably have if they weren't yes, we, so busy we, up their own asses. <laughs> we, uh, we don't have feelings around here. We don't have feelings or asses around here. Bunch of weirdos in Japan. <laughs> Oh, Zane's giving me looks again. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, if you have a comment about either show that we just mentioned, um, or if you have a suggestion for a show, you can go ahead to cartoncast.com and leave us a comment. You can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment there as well. You can go to our group website, Fancy Bat. There's not much there, but you can certainly leave a comment or look at some of the other podcasts that are that are done on the network, like Empowered or uh, Amusement Sparks. Both, uh, both really fun shows, and uh, I think you'd probably enjoy them. So give those a listen, and more than anything else, tell your friends about the show. Um, yeah, I, I think we're, I think we're, think we're good. Uh, do you have any regrets about this episode, Ben? Uh, where do I get started? <laughs> I suppose the, it all started title. when I was 13 years old. <laughs> Just a young boy enjoying his sakura blossoms and dr- drinking coffee yogurt. <laughs> Yogurt. Uh, y- y- yogurt. <laughs> Sitting out at a McDonald's <laughs> watching, watching Sputnik pass me by. We'll never get those days back, Ben. It's such a shame for us to part.
Uh, Zane, I did get a couple responses, I think, but in in Gmail, but I don't know if I should mention them. Let's hear it. Uh, so I went to Cartoncast, go to Gmail. I, I haven't looked at my email in a while, so I felt kind of bad, but uh, this aired after we had done the episode, so I'm not really sure about it. But if, if you want to put these comments in, be my guest. Um, these, these are a little bit late, so uh, I'm sorry we haven't gotten to it yet, but... There are a couple. We we did get a couple uh, comments uh, about the Helsing episode. Hmm. Um, that well, save your save your excitedness because hmm. uh, they they they're not really about Helsing. Uh, one of them by uh, Martin Harriton Harriton Martin Harriton just uh, is has no subject and simply says, "I want turn to vampire." <laughs> Which I think is really great. <laughs> I'm with you, Martin. I want turn to vampire too. <laughs> uh and the other one and i think zane i think you'll find this kind of interesting the other one was if you enjoy vampires though it's only one arc i recommend reading the fanfic nabiki one half a very scary thought as it deals heavily with vampires as well as other supernatural creatures uh zane you can check out this email i'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it or not but uh it is basically a rundown of a bunch of chapters of a ronmo one half like fanfic spinoff well then <laughs> it it's written it's real strange to like. It's like re- you remember when we were like reading Angry Beavers plot summaries. Mm-hmm. It, it's it kind of feels like that. <laughs> uh, so, so for instance, chapter forty nine, Ranma must undertake yet more difficult trials in order to escape from escape from Dimitri. But can he? But can even he triumph against the power the power of a black dragon? And will he be <laughs> in time to join the fun as Naviki and her posse go on the warpath? Oh, ben, Chapter 51, as the Rakshasa prepare to av- ravage the Earth, our the intrepid Rakshasa. heroes <laughs> must stand before the tide and defeat the terrifying demon lord Morgul. But when the fate of the here? world is <laughs> fate of the world hands upon the slender shoulders of the novice vampire queen, Kasumi, should the rest of us be worried? Oh I, my. I, I think we're done here. <laughs> uh, it's pretty great. Uh, so, so whoever... Uh, so Ranma Toshin, I think is the the email that gave us that. Uh, thank you for that. This is this is really funny. Uh, I don't know if you intended it as funny, but I think it's great. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, like it, Zane, if you happen to put this in, this should just tell everyone we don't really care what the comments are. We, we're just happy to hear hear from uh, from what you guys have to say. <laughs> I, I think it, I think it's really fun. Uh, yeah. So thank thank you thank you for both of those very comments. Charming. That was pretty great. Uh, I honestly like. Yeah. I feel like since we talk these shows and movies to death, we shouldn't have any comments about how they actually are. We should just have like yeah, these like spin-off sort of fan tangential thoughts, kind of musings. I kind of like that. Yeah, I want to turn to vampire. <laughs>